0: Welcome to One Chapel. We're a family of neighborhood churches in the Austin area. Our vision is to help people move from where they are to where God wants them to be. It's a place to connect, grow, and serve the communities where we live. You can learn more about One Chapel and how to get involved at onechapel.com. And now, here's this week's message. Hey everybody, how are you doing? Good, good, good. So to see you. Hey, if you didn't get message notes when you came in, raise up your hand nice and high. The ushers are going to come to you. And oh man, a lot of people didn't get message notes. So they're going to be busy uh, grab, uh, getting those to you real quick, okay? So, uh, okay. I remember it like it was yesterday. So summer 1984, 10-year-old Andrew. Actually, I think at that time I was Andy. Okay, ten-year-old Andy, my older brother Mark, Brad that lived across the street, Brian that lived three doors down, were so excited to go see the latest movie that everybody was talking about, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. And we were so excited. And where the day finally came, we were looking for it. We were excited to go. We talked about it, and we were rushing out the door. Bye, mom. Going to go to the movies. She's like, Have fun. Wait, what are you going to see? Indiana Jones and the Temple Doom. Bye, mom. See you later. Wait a minute. What are you going to see? Indiana Jones and the Temple Doom. And she's like, wait a minute. No, you can't go see that movie. Indiana Jones and the Temple Doom was controversial, if you may or may not remember. It was the movie that prompted the PG thirteen rating. I don't know if you remember that. Okay, I didn't get to go see. Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. What made it worse is my friends got to go and me and my brother didn't get to go. Trying to get over it to this day. I had to wait three three years before I could see it to find out what all the fuss was about, about this movie that my mom didn't want to have our warped psyche on her conscience, so she didn't let us go see. And all it was was some guy that reached into somebody's chest and pulled out his heart that's what it was, and pretty tame compared to today's zombie apocalypse standards for sure, okay, yeah, so my son's going, no big deal, no big deal p g thirteen let me tell you let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. You know, church is the place where everybody should be should feel safe, seen, and loved. And this is certainly a family place, and this is a place where you should go and you shouldn't have to to be worried, apologize for anything that you see, hear, and do. That is absolutely the truth. It is family friendly for sure. But one of the things that we have to understand is that we live in a real world that can be sometimes very, very cruel and sometimes very, very dark. And the Christian life can sometimes get up into the PG-13 of life. And you guys know what I'm talking about. And we are talking about prayer, but we're going to get to the part in the Lord's Prayer today that gets a little bit deeper, okay? I've got y'all wondering what's going to happen today. You're all getting scared. Kids are running for the doors. Don't worry about it. It's going to be fine, okay? Let's do this. The Lord's Prayer, let's all say it together. This is from Matthew 6, 9. Let's say it together. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Okay, so you might have guessed it. The part that we're going to focus on is the part that says, but deliver us from evil. You got to say it that way, evil, okay? (laughs) That's where we're going to focus. That's the PG-13 part. Now, there was a great movie that came out a few years ago, a Christian movie called War Room, and it was all about prayer and the topic that we're going to talk about today, which is spiritual warfare, and the title of the movie was called War Room. And I could remember, it was a great movie. I highly recommend it. Um, I was telling a friend of mine about this movie, and this friend is a believer. However, they're a believer that, you know, I knew that they were pretty young in their faith, and there was not a lot they they knew, and that's fine. Nothing wrong with that. But I I shared, man, there's this great movie, this great Christian movie you got to see. It's called War Room. And I could see the look on their face, like, Christian? War? What? It was like, what are you talking about? Those two words shouldn't go together, should they? They don't make sense. I mean, aren't we about peace and love and joy and goodness? Yes, but there is also an element of war that we have to understand, okay? And um, I'm going to read it to you here, Ephesians 6, verse 10. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Okay, that's typically what we think about war, flesh and blood. It's not that kind of war, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly Realms. Now, C.S. Lewis, who was a, a brilliant writer and teacher, you probably know him as being the author of *The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe*, which is a very popular popular series of books. Wrote a lot of a lot of documents, articles about the Christian faith, which he was a believer, and in his his uh, writing, mere Christianity. This is Christianity. This is what he said. Enemy-occupied territory. That is what the world is. Christianity is the story of how the rightful king has landed. You might say landed in disguise and is calling us to take part in a great campaign of sabotage. There is no neutral ground in the universe. Every square inch, every split second is claimed by God and counterclaimed by Satan. And so here's the idea is there's the kingdom of God. But then there is also the kingdom of this world. And we know it because it can be very, very dark here. And those two things are very much at odds. They are polar opposites. And they are fighting against each other. In fact, John 10.10 says it this way. The thief, that is Satan, that is demons, comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come, Jesus has come, so that they may have life and have it to the full. Those are two very, very opposite things. One is a thief. One is one that takes away. One, Jesus is the one that gives life and puts things back together. Now, you know who Martin Luther is, the great reformer. Describes prayer like this. He who prays is fighting against the devil and the flesh. Satan is opposed to the church. The best thing we can do, therefore, is to put our fists together and pray. Now, it's kind of a weird way to think about prayer, because normally we think of prayer, we think the the gentle folded hands, you know, bended knee, you know, just the, the nice little kid with the little lamb sitting next to him praying. And that is right. Prayer is full of peace. It's full of wonder. It's full of that. And we've even talked about that in that series. But there is a part of prayer that is very different. It's the part of prayer that says we need to get on the field and we need to challenge the opponent, spiritual warfare. And it is right. And in your notes, there's a statement that says this, and I think it's right on. We are in a vicious battle in which God's purposes are constantly contested. The essence of prayer is that we will harness our wills with God's will, To resist Satan's will. Prayer is a weapon of defense, but it's also a weapon of attack. And we can go on the offense. We can attack. Prayer unlocks great blessings, but it also restrains great evil. Now, I have have witnessed this many, 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 many times in my life. And and I could probably tell you stories of, of just feeling this battle. Against what is good and evil of just different things that we have done throughout our life. And I can, I, probably the, the most recent one that I can say is, is a year ago, as this church was beginning to form, as it was beginning to come known that, that God was opening the doors for us to, to launch a new One Chapel campus, it was amazing to me how God was just opening doors opening windows to make things happen putting the right people together like stuff that you could you could only dream of i mean it was like he was like putting the dream team together to make it happen and it was so obvious that god wanted this campus to be in this city at this time it was like wow that's amazing and then as we started to move forward and it started to get more serious as we begin to work on purchasing this building this spot that has been a church for over a hundred years. And we said, no, it's not gonna become a restaurant like it was possibly gonna happen. It's gonna be a church. And this is gonna be a place where people are gonna worship God in this city where people are gonna be set free from the powers of darkness. People are gonna get their lives fixed and things are gonna change. And people whose destiny was one way is gonna be changed to go another way. When that started to happen, man, did we feel the resistance like you would not believe. It was like we went up to a beehive and just stuck our fist in there to take some of the honey out, and those little boogers in there were not happy about it, okay? (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly what it felt like, and we felt that through every little moment. Predictable resistance. And I'm going to tell you, you know, it never got me down because I knew it enough, I understood enough, and our team was, was mature enough and, and, and had enough understanding of the Lord that we were able to do that, and we were able to punch through some things in prayer. And I remember one of the things we said early on, and I could never, i remember us coming here every Saturday, we would come here and pray for about an hour, an hour and a half before we started working on the, on the building. And we would come here, a group of us and, and pray. And, and even sometimes we would walk down this main street here and we would pray and we just begin to feel like, man, we are supposed to be here and man, the enemy is ticked off that we are here. And we punched through it. And you know what? Here's the cool thing. We were able to punch through it in prayer. We understood what it was. It was not a struggle against flesh and blood. It was something we needed to do on our knees. So we did that. And as you do that, then you have so much peace that you're able to just love each other like you wouldn't believe. So there is this amazing amount of peace and love in the natural. Well, in the spirit, there is fighting. And there is war that goes on. And the two are not contradictory. It's the way that it's supposed to be and it's really, really amazing. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you three things there in your notes that you need to understand about this kind of prayer that we would call spiritual warfare. Number one, you need to know your enemy. Know your enemy. You know, I just got, um, I've been watching the Super Bowl mic'd up, and uh in case, in case you don't know if you're new, the Chiefs are my team. I was born and raised in Kansas City, so, so I did not, I have not known my team going to the Super Bowl, and I'm so happy that they win. I'm so happy that they won. I just keep watching it over and over again. And uh, I, I, I know, it's kind of silly, right? And I love watching the mic'd up version. And you know what's so funny about the mic'd up version of the Super Bowl is you, you, know, you see them like kind of yelling at each other on the field and you think, what are they saying? I mean, are they, are they, are they saying, they, they look like they're saying tough, mean things. But you know what's funny is they're saying some really goofy stuff. Like, like man, that was a good hit, guy. That was great. And I, thought, I thought he was yelling at the guy. He's telling him it was a good hit. It's crazy. There was one guy that's sitting on the, on the bench going, hey, is that Beyonce over there? I mean, it's like crazy things that they're saying. I mean, these guys look so tough, but they're not. They're just normal, they're just normal crazy people <laughs> like you and me. One of the things that those guys have to do before they play in the game is they have to watch film of the opponent. They have to know what the schemes are. They have to know what the, the, the offense has to know what the defense is going to present to them. The defense has to know the different plays that the offense is going to present so that they can know that they can, they can go to man-to-man or they can go to zone or how they do it. They have to know their enemy, and they look at film constantly to know. We need to do the same thing. 1 Peter 5.8 says this, Be alert and sober of mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking... For someone to devour. Now, here's the thing, and maybe you're thinking this, and maybe this is just a voice that's kind of deep down inside of you, going, "Man, I don't, I'm not comfortable talking about Satan so much. I'm not comfortable talking about this, this devil. It almost sounds like something from a movie or, or fiction, or, or maybe you think of." Think of the old Saturday Night Live church lady where she's always going, Who's responsible for this? Satan. You know, she always, she's just blaming everything on Satan, okay? I don't know. Maybe that's where your mind is going. I don't know, but maybe you're uncomfortable with it. Well, there's something that I've got to, to explain to you that we all in this room have to understand about this subject, okay? We live in the West. We live in a culture, we have all had a similar education that is not kosher with the idea of anything remotely supernatural, or even bringing up the idea of evil, or bringing up the idea of Satan. You can go to parts of the world, they would have no problem talking about things that are supernatural, but all of us have a prejudice against it because we are so, because we're all here. We're also figured out it's all about science. It's all about a scientific diagnosis of something that's going wrong. And all the, the, the wrong things and the sin and the evil in the world are, are related to some type of humanistic psychology or sociological problem or, or even anthropology. And every evil, every sin is attributed to a societal or clinical cause. The problem, and the problem with that is, is this. Is as great as some of that can be. It doesn't explain away some of the deepest, most basic, most fundamental problems that have been around ever since the Garden of Eden. And it is the idea of evil that's in the world that we just can't we can't attribute it to to behavior. It's got to be something deeper why why do why do these awful things happen why are there church shootings why are there there are why do people get raped why why are there there are these awful atrocities that happen it's because there is something so much deeper that is so evil that is a problem that we have here in the world in fact um a, a guy by the name of Andrew Delbanco wrote a book the, the name of the book is kind of funny but this person is actually not a believer but the person wrote Uh, The book is called The Death of Satan, How Americans Have Lost the Sense of Evil. Okay, Here's a quote. We have jettisoned in the West the idea of cosmic evil or transcendent evil or supernatural evil. We don't believe in it. In fact, we don't even like to use the word evil because it implies moral absolutes and value judgments. So we use medical terms. We don't use moral terminology. It has become harder and harder to say that Holocausts, And ethnic cleansing and serial killing is just bad psychological or uh, sociological adjustment. Now, you might be saying, well, Pastor Andrew, what are you saying? Are you saying that there's a demon under every rock? No, I'm not saying that at all. In fact, I don't believe that. But I I am saying that there might be one under every other rock (laughs) or every third rock, okay? (laughs) Look, read the Bible, Read one of the Gospels, pick any one of them, yep. and, and read about what Jesus did. He was confronting the devil yes. all the time, yes. and he was calling it out for what it was. He was confronting demons, and he was saying, this is what this is. Get behind me. Get away from this person. Stop messing with this. Get away. There's a, a German pastor by the name of Helmut Thielica. and he was a pastor in Nazi Germany during the time of the Holocaust. And he actually preached a sermon at the end of World War II, and the name of the sermon was called, Deliver Us From Evil. And I want to read to you just a bit what he said. It says, we have sensed and seen how men and whole movements have been corrupted and controlled by mysterious, abysmal powers, leading them where they had no intention of going, We sense how real and almost tangible are the evil spirits in the air, seeing an invisible hand passing an invisible cup of poison from nation to nation and throwing them into confusion. It's powerful that that was said at a time, probably one of the most dark, awful, horrible things that that has ever happened and it was not all that long ago. 1 Peter 5.8, draw attention to it again. Be alert and sober. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Okay, so we need to know our enemy. He's real. But here's the second thing that you need to know in your notes there is know your authority. And this is all about the idea of, you know what, the devil talking about him, evil, it sounds scary, it sounds freaky, but let me tell you, if you're a believer, you don't have anything that you need to be afraid of at all. In fact, in fact the, the book that, that I've been referencing a lot, um, How to Pray, A Simple Guide for Normal People by, by Pete Greek, he tells this story. He, they have a pet hamster uh, named Snuffles, and they also have a labradoodle named Noodle, Okay, and so Snuffles the hamster, Noodle the labradoodle. And they said that Snuffles is prone to escape his cage ever so often, okay? Well, one day, Snuffles escaped his cage and got out and came in direct contact with Noodle. And he was watching this and he thought, well, how is this gonna go down? Because they haven't actually had too much interaction. And so so he thought, I mean, is Noodle gonna eat snuffles? I mean, is it gonna be the end of Snuffles? I mean, what's gonna happen here? I mean, you got this little hamster in the you know that weighs just ounces, and then you, you got this, this labradoodle that probably weighs 45, 50, 60 pounds, somewhere like that. Well, they came in contact and 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 noodles, the dog, looked at this creature, this little creature and kind of wrinkled up his nose and turned up his his ear and kind of backed up and just kind of rolled down on the floor and kind of freaked out. And he couldn't believe that. How could this dog who outweighs this thing by at least 50 pounds be so scared? It's ridiculous. And I thought, wait a minute, that's the way I am with spiders. (laughs) It's the same thing. That's the way I am with snakes. It's the same. Well, it's a little bit different, but we have no reason to be afraid. If you are a believer, if you know the Lord, if he lives inside of you, you have no fear of Satan, his demons, or anything that come, could come at you. You don't have to be timid in your prayer. You know who you are. You are highly favored. You have power. Luke 10:19 says it like this: I have given you a Authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the powers of the enemy. Amen. are you in a mess? Is your life not going right don 't plead for mercy exercise authority. You are a son. You are a daughter of the king of kings. Don't roll over. You need to say, let's roll and get on your knees and begin to pray that things would change. Do some spiritual warfare. John 14, 12 says this. Jesus is saying this. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. You have Christ in you. You have the Holy Spirit in you you need not be afraid Amen. well you might say well awesome but why does bad stuff still happen to me why do i see such darkness why do sometimes i pray and i don't see the result that i think is is coming yes you have authority Yes, you have that, but what we have to understand very wisely and very keenly is that we do still live in this world. We do still live in dark days, and we will not have our full answer, our full redemption until we are with him in heaven, okay? Now, here's a a really great illustration that I think describes it pretty good. There's a story that you may remember a couple of years ago, there was a group of 12 boys in Thailand who were members, all members of a soccer team. And after one of their matches, they decided that they were going to go spelunking. They were going to go explore a cave. Okay. And the, so they went in there with their coach and they went into this cave. This was in Thailand and they got in there and, and unfortunately it was during the monsoon season. So rains came up and it actually flooded the cave that they were in and they got trapped two and a half miles beneath the surface of the earth. In fact, here's a picture of them, and, and they were kind of like on this, they 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 went through this series of caves, and it kind of explains that they went down, and when they found them, they were up on a little rise back up here, but there was water that blocked the way so that they could not get out. And when it was discovered that they were back in there two and a half miles, they were stuck in there, no light, complete darkness, they just had them huddled on this rock. And when it was discovered that they, that they were missing, and it was discovered that they, they somehow figured out where they are at, I mean, nations of the world dispatched resources to try to, to save them. I mean, the, the news media ascended on Thailand, um, people from military from all different countries, resources descended on this place to try to figure out how to get these 12 young men that were between the ages of like 11 and 14, plus their coach, out of this, and here's the thing that freaks me out. I get a little bit claustrophobic. It took them a whole week yes. to actually get to these guys. They were in the darkness. How, I cannot even imagine the scariness of what that was like. But this picture was taken shortly after they were found because divers went in and they they got there. I can imagine the joy that they felt when they finally saw someone. But here's the thing about it. It still took another several days to get those guys out of there because they had to sedate them and take them one at a time to to get through there. So they were found, but their peril was not quite over yet. Now, that's a great analogy, I think, to you and I as believers. You see, we are in this dark cave of a world that is evil, and it's been that way ever since the fall. And we are in a place waiting waiting for someone to come rescue us, and all of heaven has dispatched its resources. Jesus, on the cross, that has came and, and said, I have found you. I have rescued you. You no longer have, can be in darkness, but you have light that comes into the cave. You have one that has come and rescued us. That is what it is like whenever we, we are saved, whenever we are found. But We are not fully understanding of our salvation until we get to heaven. We are at this time still living in that dark place with a little bit of peril. That is the time of prayer. We do have hope. We will be fully rescued. We will be fully brought out. But there is that time, that moment where it's going to be tough. And that is the moment where we pray. We have been found, but we have not been fully delivered. Now, Romans 8 18 says it like this I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us, for the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. Verse 23 it says, Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly, eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of Of our bodies. Okay, N.T. Wright, who's a theologian, put it this way To pray, deliver us from evil, is to inhale the victory of the cross, and therefore to hold the line for another moment, another hour, another day against the forces of destruction within ourselves and within the world. Okay? Know your authority. Yes, it's dark, but we have authority. We have been found. Jesus is with us. We can pray. And then finally, number three is you got to know how to fight. <laughs> you got you to actually know how to do the thing. You got you to know how to get on the field, and you got how to know how to pray. Now, sac- Satan is a vanquished foe. He's already been defeated. He's already been taken down. But here's the way that he works is he's, try- he's mad about that. And he's trying to take down as many people as he can in his, in his anger about it. So he just stirs stuff up, okay? Yes, he's defeated, but he's like, yeah, okay? He's just trying to take <laughs> us down, all right? He's like a little bratty kid. Revelations 12, 12 says it this way. He, Satan, is filled with fury because he knows that his time is sh- short, okay? Church Lowe, a biblical scholar, said, like a wounded and cornered animal, Satan thrashes around desperately with the aim of injuring as many of his enemies as possible before his own destruction. So defeat of Satan does not mean the end of trouble for the church. To the contrary, it signals an escalation and intensification of opposition and persecution. But the end is in sight, and those who have endured to the end shall be victorious, even if, in the meantime, they become victims, okay? Guys, we do have ultimate victory. We do have ultimate victory. We need not be afraid, but we do need to fight in prayer, and we do need to pray. Now, I'm going to close with kind of three ideas here. Effective spiritual warfare requires these things, and they're very simple. It requires a diagnosis, okay? In other words, what is the enemy's strategy for this person, this place, or for my life, okay? Now, the enemy is very crafty, no doubt about it, but let me tell you what, he's not very creative, <laughs> okay? He's not very creative. He usually does the same things over and over, and you can probably imagine or know from your own life is the ways that he tries to bring you down and hurt you, cause temptation to come into your life. It's usually the same kind of strategies over and over again. In fact, John ten ten 10 says this, the thief has only one thing in mind, he wants to steal, slaughter, and destroy, and that's pretty much his game. If there's something that's, that's going on that is, that is trying to get you in bondage, that is trying to get you in darkness, is trying to get you to have, live a life of secrets to where there's no light, guess who's doing that? It's the enemy, okay? That's, that's who's doing it. That's what he's up to, okay? And he, he tends to kind of use our little weak spots to try to pull us down, okay? But Jesus is all about freedom. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where Jesus is, there is truth. There is light. So if it's, if, it's, if it's Jesus, it's about the light coming in. It's about making secrets made known. It's about getting the darkness out. It's about getting, getting the realness. And there is, there is a freedom that comes from that, that is so amazing, that is so wonderful. The second thing there is prognosis. The question is, what might God's better plan be for this person or this place? Okay, And that's where we have to, it's important for us to, to know the Bible, to read God's Word and, and to understand, well, what, what is God's purpose? What is God's plan? What is it that God wants to happen? When we talk about praying for the kingdom of God, His will to be done on earth as it is in heaven, What what is that? What are His promises? What are the things of that of the, the Holy Spirit wants us to have and know? A couple of scriptures that I think hit it very, very succinctly. You probably know Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. It is always God's will for you to have a future that is in him and that is good and that is for his glory and for things to be better. Okay, Third John 1, 2 says this, beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Okay? And then finally the third thing is the prescription. Okay? So what can I prayerfully and practically do to thwart Satan's plan and welcome God's better purpose into this person, place, or situation? And I'm gonna I'm gonna start with the verse that um, read a little bit more in Ephesians six. And you probably know this because it's it's kind of known it's a great picture because it talks about having armor. It's like a It's like a soldier would be to go into battle. It says in verse 13, "'Therefore put on the full armor of God, "'so that when the day of evil comes, "'you may be able to stand your ground. "'And after you have done everything to stand, "'stand firm, then, with the belt of truth "'buckled around your waist, "'with the breastplate of righteousness in place, "'with your feet fitted with the readiness "'that comes from the gospel of peace,' In addition to this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of of the evil one. Take on the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers, with all kinds of requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all of the Lord's people. Now, that's a great picture and I mean you could you could almost just read that and picture it in your mind. And, and I knew a man years ago, he was, a, he was a police officer, and he would, as he would get ready for his day, and he would actually put on his, his armor, he would actually read this scripture and think about it. Now he was obviously someone that was having to deal with the world in a pretty practical kind of way, right? Okay, because he was a police officer, okay? Most of us don't put on that kind of armor, but we can put on spiritual armor every day, and we can know how to fight. A couple of things that are cool. We could, we could talk about each one of those pieces in specific ways, but I'm going to just highlight a couple of them. One of them is, is the sword. The, actual, the word that is used to this sword is the word, uh, is actually the word gladios, which you may recall, it sounds kind of like the word gladiator, are we not entertained? I gotta, sorry, I got to say that. <laughs> got to say that. I love that movie, okay? <laughs> okay, remember, a gladiator is m- locked in mortal combat. Not weaponry that like fires a long distance, but it's hand-to-hand combat, okay? The, the gladiator, there's actually a type of sword that is a, is a small sword. Hand-to-hand combat, okay? I hate to say this, this is, n- this is definitely not a seeker-sensitive sermon. There's no doubt about that. But I'm not wanting it to be, okay? Because we don't need to be, all right? We need to be real, all right? Okay? Amen. Satan hates you, and he's going to get personal, and he's going to come really close. And you know what you can do is you can just take the word of God, and you can just go, and he's gone, okay? That's what Jesus did. Yep. When Jesus was tempted, what he would say, he'd say, but it is written. Yes. It is written. Satan would try to twist an idea around and Jesus would say, well, no, it, it's, this is what it says, <laughs> okay? That's hand-to-hand combat, yes. okay? You can do that, you can do that. The other piece I wanna mention is the, the feet fitted with the readiness of the gospel of peace. There's a lot of things to be said about this, but there's an idea that I kinda, I just like the idea of, guys, we can stand firm, okay? An athlete that is ready, okay? They gotta have their, sh- their shoes on, And they are ready to move or stand At any instance. We have to be that way. We don't need to be like noodle and just roll over. We need to (laughs) stand (laughs) firm, sword, shield, helmet, belt. I mean, we can do it. Don't let him mess with you. Don't let him mess with you. One final story, and then we're going we're gonna to pray. We're going to end the service actually doing spiritual warfare. <laughs> Imagine that. We talk about it. Why don't we just do it? Okay, we're going to pray for stuff. We're going to pray for you. You're going to pray for each other, okay? But before we do that, I've got to tell you one final story. It's a guy that you probably have never heard of. His name is Raymond Edmund. He was a young man in the 1920s. He was a missionary in Ecuador. This is a great story of just spiritual warfare. And something maybe that Satan was trying to do, that prayer headed it off at the pass, and it changed. This man was dying in Ecuador of typhus. He contracted typhus, and he was dying. No cure for it, nothing that they could do. In fact, his, his team was preparing for his burial. I mean, he was on the verge of dying. He was unconscious. While this was happening, his uncle, who lived in Massachusetts, says, obviously pre-email, okay? All of a sudden felt the need to pray for his nephew who was the missionary. Didn't know why. I gotta pray for Raymond. Hits his knees, begins doing spiritual warfare, praying, God, please protect him. Please keep him safe. Whatever's going on, just please be with him right there. Didn't even know, and just could not stay out of that mode of just getting after it and standing some ground that something needed to change. Another part of the country a group of people had gathered don't even think they 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 knew who this guy was we at a, a a church conference and as they were into the church in into their day in the conference there was a man that some goes man i think we're just supposed to pray for somebody something there is something going on that's not right and we need to pray and and they actually stopped the conference skipped their lunch and just went into this all afternoon praying until they felt like there was some type of release, like, okay, we can stop now. They were praying. It discovered later, they were praying for Raymond. And at the very moment, Raymond actually regained consciousness and the fever began to go away. And he said, at that moment, I just began to feel so much peace. I felt like no despair, like I wasn't going to die. And he actually got better and was healed. Healed. Because of the prayers of faithful people that we're going to say, okay, God's will? Let's put our wills together. Satan's will? No, don't want that. This is not right. Let's pray for it to change and we'll leave the results up to God. And God intervened and he restored this guy's life. Now, you probably don't know who Raymond is, but (laughs) you do know somebody that's attached, associated with Raymond. You see, Raymond, as he got older, he went on to be Uh, um, a teacher and a professor at Wheaton College in Illinois. He actually became the president of Wheaton College and he became the mentor of somebody that you have heard of, Billy Graham. Now, I don't know what exactly was going on with Raymond down there in the jungle and I'm not going to subscribe any judgment call to that but what I do know is this, is that when people pray for God's will to be done, he hears from heaven and he listens. And you know what? There is an enemy that tries to keep good stuff from happening, okay? And it is okay and it is right for us to pray with some authority and with a little bit of fervor so that his will, will be done. Thanks for joining us today. If God is doing something in your life or you're looking for ways to get connected, you can learn about groups, teams, and more at onechapel.com welcome. You can subscribe to future messages from One Chapel on your favorite podcast player. And of course, you're always invited to services every Sunday morning at 9 and 11. See you next time.